You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the LA International Church of Christ family of churches, worshiping God in Well, good morning, church. Awesome to be with you. It's the weekend of love, right? Uh, Valentine's weekend, and I hope you had a fun time. If, uh, everyone is loved by God, so you can have a party with Him and feel loved. Uh, that's a good thing. Uh, I, I like Ken. I was really grateful for our singles ministry. Hosted an awesome party. You know, on the way to Hollywood on La Brea, they found this cool studio, and there was dancing going on. I showed him my famous white man dance, and... You know, I thought Chuka was impressed with me, you know, with that one. And uh, it was just awesome to be together, um, just celebrating with our wives, our love that, that God has given each of us. And the singles hosted that for us, so really grateful. You certainly won our hearts uh, on the West Side Singles. Thank you very much for that. Yes. And then, of course, it's so awesome to have Emma here with uh, Justin. They got engaged last Saturday down in San Diego. And so grateful for them, our, our campus a couple there, and super, super, super cool, and uh, God's working in great ways uh, all, all over uh, the, the West Side Church, seeing lives changed. Um, we've been going through a great study on the book of Exodus as a church, and today we're going to get into the most famous part of the book of Exodus, which is the parting of the Red Sea. We're going to hit that a little bit this week, and we're going to hit it a little bit next week as well. But, or the week after next. Next week's our regional service, so we're going to take a hiatus next week on it. But um, uh, I found this interesting picture of crossing into freedom, uh, which is, you know, sort of a modern day parting of the Red Sea with, the, the you know, Moses' uh, transport right there. And it's got the bones of Joseph. And, you know, I read a lot of stories about the parting of the Red Sea, and there's a lot of scientific... There's even a study that maybe, um, you know, there's something called wind set down that like it could actually have parted part of the uh, the Red Sea or part of the the Nile Delta area. There, there's a lot of studies. Nobody's really sure. We do know it was a miracle, however it happened. I read one article that maybe uh, when the wind came, it froze the Red Sea. And, and so maybe that was the middle part of it or something. And there's all kinds of different opinions on it. It was for sure one of the greatest, if not the greatest miracle outside of the resurrection in the history of mankind. I believe it happened. I believe it's true. There's archaeological evidence. They found like uh, spokes of these like some kind of like chariots. I don't know if that's really true. I mean, it's hard to tell. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there. But it is in the Bible and I believe it because I do believe in the Bible. And last week we had a great lesson from Todd. Really appreciated him uh, talking about how God triumphs over all the idols of our world, how he calls us to, to drop the idols like a stone in the ocean. We have to drop our rock, the thing that was holding us back in the basket. And as we're taking communion, I really appreciated that. Uh, that, that he highlighted clearly how, how God triumphs over false idols. And all the plagues of Egypt were indicative of the false idols and false gods of that nation, but not just that nation, of our own lives even today. And the idea of freedom, I really appreciated uh, Patricia Don sharing, this is Black History Month, uh, sharing about uh, Phyllis Wheatley. And, the, you know, there's a call to freedom. There's a call to break oppression and bondage in every generation and every culture of all time. It's inside each one of us to want freedom, to believe in freedom, and to desire it. And God has put freedom inside each one of us. And yet we can so easily be a prisoner of our mind. It's so easy. But there is, there's one piece of freedom every one of us has. And that's the freedom to choose. 
No matter what our circumstances, we can choose how we will respond. In The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, a great book, um, bestseller back in the 80s. Number one habit was be proactive. And, and the point he was making was everybody can choose how to respond even in the middle of atrocious injustice, of which many of us have faced. Certainly the history of our country is filled with it, even in the world today. Uh, you know, yes, slavery has been abolished legally. The Emancipation Proclamation in 1863 abolished it. But sadly, um, the reality is there's still the effects of slavery going on in our entire world. Do you know across the globe, slavery still exists? Sex slavery is going on in country after, even in America it's going on. Uh, labor type slavery of, uh, in many countries. Uh, you can be really enslaved just to survive. It's, it's, it's not done yet. And I think in, in the future, uh, in heaven, we'll look back in our day and age and go, did we care about it? We need to care. Freedom. Freedom is something we're all called to in a powerful way. It's something God wants us to be very interested in. Another great African-American professor, teacher, uh, actor, uh, a great figure in history is Maya Angelou. She wrote a poem called Caged Bird. The free bird leaps on the back of the wind and floats downstream till the current ends and dips his wings in the orange sun rays and dares to claim the sky. But a bird that stalks down his narrow cage can seldom see through his bars of rage. His wings are clipped and his feet are tied, so he opens his throat to sing. The cage bird sings with fearful trill of the things unknown but longed for still. And his tune is heard on the distant hill, for the cage bird sings of freedom. In our heart of hearts, all of us long for freedom in every way a person can be free. We all do on many levels. And, you know, the message of Jesus is forgiveness and forgiveness is complete when we understand what he's done for us and we accept it by faith. We walk through the the waters of baptism by faith and we become new creations where forgiveness is complete. But, you know, freedom happens layer by layer doesn't happen as easily as you think it happens. In 1963, the civil rights movement, you had a tremendous collection of activists and people of, of every nationality and race gathering. And you had the leader of the civil rights movement, Martin Luther King, give what, if personally, I think, my favorite and one of the greatest speeches of all time, the I have a dream speech. You guys ever heard that one? You ever pressed uh, on YouTube and listened to it? I mean, that guy could preach. That guy was, oh, I mean, inspiring. And he was leading a movement. And the movement brought power and energy because everyone knew it was about freedom from oppression. It was about doing what is right. It was about treating people right. And people got on board. A couple of my favorite quotes. He said, now is the time to rise 
From the dark and desolate valley of segregation to the sunlit path of racial, of racial justice. Now is the time to lift our nation from the quicksands of racial injustice to the solid rock of brotherhood. Now is the time to make justice a reality for all of God's children. He was a master of words. He said, the sweltering summer of the Negro's legitimate discontent will not pass until there is an invigorating autumn of freedom and, in- and equality. And we all know this one, right? I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the truth. And live out the meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation. Where they will not be judged by the color of their skin. But by the content of their character. I have a dream today is what he said. That was in 1963. 100 years following the Declaration or the Emancipation Proclamation. And we obviously know in 1963 there were signs on bathrooms in the South that said for, for whites only. Even though it was, it, it, the freedom had happened legally. But practically speaking, it was layer by layer. And even in our day and age today, layer by layer has to be peeled back so true love and equality and righteousness is lived and practiced, not only in America, but all over the world. And amen, amen. We're going to look today, as Patricia mentioned, really the classic and original story of redemption and freedom out of bondage was the Israelite nation enslaved for years. And they were set free. God had a plan to set them free. And I want to begin in chapter 12 of Exodus and just reference this verse for you. It says, on the same night, and he was talking about, this is the final plague, the tenth of the plagues, the final uh, demolition of false idols, the death angel. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be assigned for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. What was he talking about? He had told them, I'm going to send the death angel to kill the firstborn of every home. And you are to sacrifice a one-year-old male lamb, a perfect lamb with no defect, and take that blood and put it on the door frames of your house. And when I see the blood, when the death angel comes, I won't enter the house where that blood is smeared on the door frame of those houses. But every other home, yes, I will enter that home. I was thinking about it in my own family. I was thinking, wow, what would have happened if the death angel came and the blood wasn't on our home? You know, my, my son Kyle would have died that night. You know, my son Nathan would have died because he's the first male son from, from uh, you know, his mom. His mom's my sister-in-law. And I, I thought, wow, my father would have died because he's the first male from my, my, um, my grandma. And you can imagine what happened in Egypt that night. How devastating that was. 
But he says he will not permit this destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down if the blood of the Lamb is on your doorframe. And see, he frees us. There's a freedom from death that God provides. This is an incredible message. And of course, the book of Exodus is foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing what we live in today, this understanding. What, why did Jesus die? His blood pays the price and gives us freedom over our fear of death. It gives us freedom over our fear of death. And we find this verse in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death we might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. All those who are held in slavery by their fear of death. We have all been held in slavery. And even to this day, layers of the freedom have not fully been peeled back. We still fear death in many ways. I was talking to Carrie yesterday and we're, we're sharing if, if, if somebody close to us passed, if our son passed, if, if, if a terrible tragedy occurred, the mourning would be unbearable. However... We don't grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. The message of Jesus is the message that there is life. So there's two things. We are sentenced to death. We deserve death. We're going to physically die. But in the, in the whole economy of God, we have, we've worshipped false idols. We don't deserve to be with God. We don't deserve to be in His presence for eternity. Nobody does. But the blood of Jesus pays the price. And the resurrection of Jesus proves there is new life. His blood pays the price. His resurrection proves there is new life. He pays it and He proves that we don't have to fear death. Amen? We don't have to fear death. We do still. Some of us, don't we? You know, when Kobe Bryant's the helicopter crash, and we heard about it a couple Sundays ago, we were all shocked. The whole city was shocked. He was an icon. He meant something so much to L.A. As a basketball fanatic, I was devastated. My son called me that day, and he was, he was distraught. I know most of us are so distraught. Some of us knew him. Most of us saw him live. We, he was a hero. Not because he was perfect, mainly because he wasn't perfect, but he kept fighting and he had achieved such great things in that sport. And he was a, an Angelino. We knew him. That day my son called. He was, he was just down. He was like, oh, we gotta, next day he drove out, so we gotta get time together. I think a lot of people saw their family that day. You know, we hung out together. We spent time with our family. We thought, we gotta go see dad. We gotta see grandpa. You know, we gotta drive out to see him. Because we know death is coming. Death is a reality. And if you don't have any hope of death, of, of what's going to happen after, after life, then you really don't have the answer to life. You need to have an answer. And Jesus gives us the answer to life because he answers death. And we can be freed of our fear of death. Amen? When you're free of that, you can do a lot of cool things. Right? When you're free of that, you're able to love. You're able to give of yourself. You're able to surrender yourself. You're able to have a confidence. You're able to, to do things that you wouldn't normally do. When you break through that fear, great things start happening. You're not shackled as a prisoner of your own mind. And there's a hope in you. 
And we do have an incredible hope. I, I hope that you grab a hold of this hope. And I hope that you understand Jesus' blood, when it's on the doorframe of your house, when you're immersed in him, when you understand him, when he defines you, you have answered life because you know you've answered death. Amen? Freedom. Well, the Israelites, they were enslaved for years. But after this plague, it says, During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. They were enslaved in this country. Oppressed. Beat down. And it was difficult. And God heard their cries and delivered them out of it. Awesome, right? Incredible story. In the days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? And he was talking about the Passover rituals that, that in, were instituted for the Israelites, which, by the way, we're going to uh, teach a little bit more on on Easter this year. And I've asked Mark Shaw to help us with this a little bit on what, kind of what, some, what were some of those Passover rituals that reminded them of this great deliverance. And how do they play into our worship of God? You know, half of America goes to church on Christmas or Easter. So we want to teach a little bit more about that on the Friday night before, which is Passover night. And teach you what really what's it mean. And what God told them to say is, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And God's intention is to pull us with a mighty hand out of the various forms of oppression in your life. And all of us have different forms of oppression. It said in the scripture we just read, the fear of death, it gets to us a lot of times. We fear it. We fear it a lot and it affects how we live and how we think. There's other kinds of oppression in our life. There is a fear and there is a sense of emptiness and deception that we become prisoners to. In our world today in America, it's, it's very obvious, it's clear. Uh, there's a lot of loneliness. The suicide rates are going up. The, uh, the, the age 15 to 25 year olds of this generation, I'm not sure if it's the media that's affecting it or the whole concept of social media and your identity, but anxiety rates are way up. Um, it, it's just a tremendous challenge to our culture to define your identity by what you look like on a little screen, which is a snapshot of really only the good times. And oftentimes we're not looking at the bad times. Nobody puts up the bad times on their Instagram page. And so we get a false sense of how is our identity defined. Here's who you are. You are who God says you are. He's the creator of life. If you want to know who you are, find out what God thinks of you. If you can comprehend that, you'll have a good sense of your identity. And I think a lot of your anxiety will dissipate. Freedom from emptiness and deception. And so I want to read a little more about the story. We find that as the Egyptians kicked them out, right, and said, get out of here, Israel headed out. It was awesome. And it turned out, we had read this earlier, they were told by God and, and Moses had told the, all the Israelites, hey, ask all the Egyptians for gold, silver, and clothing when you leave. And that's what happened. So they, they left the country, you know, it says 600,000 fighting men, not counting women and children, so or 600,000 men, not counting women and children. So they estimate maybe around 2 million people, all of them asking for people they knew. Uh, hey, give us some gold, silver. And they're like, we'll give you whatever. Just get out of here. So they plundered the Egyptians. And when they, when they left, we, re- we read this verse. It says, by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. 
and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. God was delivering them and he said, and I will be with you. I will be with you. Because the human condition is such that we don't want to be alone. We desire relationship and presence and a sense of being together with someone we trust and someone we love. And in our day and age, emptiness is a big issue in people's lives. I remember for me, feeling empty. I remember when I was working in Century City as a stockbroker and I would drive home with my sports car and I would drive along the beach and I would love the view, but during that time when I just had a few moments to myself to think and I occasionally would turn on the radio and I'd hear a song, if I heard a love song, it always depressed me because I wasn't in love. I didn't know God at the time. And I had this aching sense of emptiness inside of me. You know, later when I became a disciple, found Jesus, gave him my whole life. I remember driving down that same way thinking, wow, I feel so different. And I I, I didn't have a girl. I hadn't met my beautiful wife, Carrie, at this time. It was my first year as as a Christian. I hadn't met her yet. But I remember turning on the radio and hearing a love song and just thinking, hopeful. God's got a plan. He's got a woman for me in store. Even if he doesn't, I'm good. I have him. I have mission. I have purpose. I'm not empty. I have clarity. I know why I'm here. I just remember the distinction between how I felt before and how I felt after. Because I knew God was with me. We want that freedom. All of us want that freedom. John 8 verse 32 says, the truth will set you free. The truth will set you free from emptiness, right? John 16, 13, he says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, this is Jesus talking, he, which is the the third person of the Trinity, the, the, the spirit, he will come. Jesus was here, the second person of the Trinity, of the Godhead. And he went to heaven. He, he you know, after the resurrection and ascension, he, he somehow evaporated into heaven. Right? Heaven is not like up there. Heaven's here. It's, it's the spiritual world. I mean, Jesus could appear on the stage with me. He has the power to do that. Physically, if he wanted to. But he left and he said when he, when he goes, he's going to send the Spirit. And he says when he comes, the Spirit of truth, which, by the way, he is here. When he comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. To help you break free of emptiness. Which is what I needed. I needed the truth. I needed to know. Why am I here? I had a lot of energy. I'm old now and I have a lot of energy. You can, I was really amped when I was like 22. Like sometimes John sends me a message and says, hey, slow down, you're talking too fast. Or he'll, you know, I get amped. And I, you know, there's this movie, uh, Tommy Boy. And, um, my funny favorite line is, you know, he's acting like Jojo the idiot circus boy. <laughs> you know, there's one scene and he's too amped, you know, I can get that way. And I wanted to know where to put all that energy. Where do I put all that energy? What is worth my very best? 
Well, the Holy Spirit has a plan for all our lives of where to put your very best energy. All your talent, your time, and your creative energy, your artistic energy. Isn't it awesome to have the artists up here singing and creating new songs? I appreciated that spoken word song. and It's awesome, right? Amen. The Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. So you can have freedom over deception, which is the lie of all the false idols that, that Todd talked about quite a few last week. There's lots of false idols out there. Things we think will make us happy. And I'm not immune to them. I'm not immune to them. Um, they're, they're trying to drag us back. Like the Egyptians went running after the Israelites after they left. And we're going to get to that here in a minute. But, you know, like I said, freedom is layer by layer. We're forgiven completely. We've got to comprehend that by the blood of the, of the Lamb, by Jesus. All right, we're going to keep hitting that. It's hard to believe that. Because we keep being, you know, we're still, we haven't attained the promised land yet. You know, the promised land in the story is, is, you know, Canaan, which they didn't go directly to. If you read the rest of Exodus, they wandered for 40 years because they happened to not be faithful. So God says, well, I'm going to make you wander. That's more lessons in the future. We got, we're kind of wandering. God's testing us. He's refining us. He's sanctifying us. He's making us better and new. And he's helping clarify our, our perspective on different things, which we need. Because we are so deceived about what really counts in life. We can be so deceived about what really counts in life. Look at this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. We are all in the river of Hollow and deceptive philosophy. All of us. My TV is on way too much. By the way, I don't have one TV. I have a lot of TVs. In like every room. And I have iPad. And I have a phone. And I can be consumed with the media and all its hollow and deceptive philosophy. And I, I do get entertained. I try to control what I look at. I want to control it. But man, I, I'm, we're in this river of deception about what's important and what we value and what makes you cool and what makes you happy and what real love looks like and what does it mean to be this or be that. I mean, we are immersed. Something that depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world. And we all need to break free. We gotta break free. We gotta free our mind, right? We gotta break free. We gotta believe. I gotta be free. We gotta be immersed in God's word, in the truth. We want God with us, His presence with us, guiding us so our choices, honor Him. So that when we're thinking about our future, we're thinking about our job, and we're thinking about where we're gonna live, when we're thinking about who we're gonna marry, we're thinking about what we're doing with our time, when we're thinking about what we're gonna do with our money, we're guided by the spirit of truth. And he promised he would be with us, right? The pillar of the cloud before us, the fire even at night, so you can see the truth is available to all of us. That the word of God, right, is the sword of God's spirit. It's what we fight with. But not only that, the spirit is here. And I want to call on all of us to listen to, the, to be receptive to the spirit, to be sensitive to the spirit, to listen carefully. He'll do miraculous things in our life. He wants to speak to you. Some of us, we're pushing him away. We don't want to listen to him. We're resistant. We're hard hearted. We just don't want to listen. But he's here. 
He said, Jesus is not here anymore. We don't get to find him. If he was here, he'd be on the news. We'd know he's here. But the Spirit is. Let's listen to the Spirit and overcome and be free of deception and emptiness. Amen? The last thing I want to close out is this idea, as we see the party in the Red Sea. Ultimately, free from sin and death, which you talked about the fear of death, but it's not just the fear, it's death itself. And, and sin, right? We get forgiven of sin, but this story is amazing. And we read a couple of verses about this. Jesus says, very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. John 8 says, so if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Exodus 14. As they head out, right, the, the pillar of, of God's presence leading them, he takes them down, and, and he takes them in a roundabout way, and he sets them in front of the Red Sea, a body of water. And by this time, the Egyptians had kind of changed their mind. They're like, why do we let them go? And if you read the text, you realize, hey, why do we let them go? We, we lost their services. Like, well, that was dumb of us. And, and, and Pharaoh's heart got hard. And, this, and the book of Exodus talks about that. You know, God, God's, you know, like the sun today, it hardens clay, but it softens butter. And God's actions can harden some and soften others. It's the same God. It's the same sun. Pharaoh's heart got hard. And he said, I'm going to, I lost what I, we lost all our servants, our workers. Let's go get them. And he brings whatever was left of their chariot leaders, because a lot of them had died from the Passover, but they had plenty left, right? And they got on there, they took the whole army and all their fighting men, and they're, we're going to, we're going to go kill the, uh, Israelites, or we're going to enslave them and bring them back. And they caught wind of this, and they heard this, and they saw in the distance, they were, oh my goodness. And, the Israelites lost faith, and it says in verse 12, it says, didn't we say to you, didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians and die in the desert because they thought they're coming to kill us. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then Moses stretched out his hand, and I'm, I'm cutting through a couple of verses here, over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove back, drove the sea back with a strong east wind, and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The water then, and then of course, they walked through, and then the, the Egyptians followed them. They were empowered, and, and, and they thought, oh, we're going we're gonna to follow them through. Like we gotta, they were just enraged by what they wanted. And they followed them through into the ocean. And it says, then the water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. The idolatry and sin and garbage and worldliness was wiped away. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. How did they get free? This is a foreshadowing and a picture of Christianity. How did they get free? 
They were lost and helpless, right? They're like, ah, we should go back. We're going to die. They had lost hope. They were in despair. They were at their wit's end. They were broken. They were down in the dumps. They were like, there's no hope. What are we going to do? Now, it's funny that they felt that way, even though they've been following a fire and a cloud that had led them out and had plundered the entire nation and all the things they'd already, they hadn't even had the parting of the Red Sea yet, and God had already done all these amazing things, and then they're doubting again. And then he says, you need only be still, right? He says, do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance. How do we get free? It's not because we are so good at being Christians. It's not because we have developed the strength of willpower to overcome all temptations of our flesh. It's not because we're so righteous compared to other people. We're never good enough. Why did God lead the Israelites to this place of total despair? So that in despair, they would recognize and they would go, We can't be saved on our own. It's the grace and mercy and kindness of God. You are sitting in this room today. By God's incredible kindness and grace. Oftentimes I wonder, why did I live this life? Why do I, why was my heart not hardened? I'm not sure. I'm certainly not because I have a good heart. I, I, I'm a wicked man. I, I'm a self-consumed. I, I'm a mess. I'm self-gratifying and, and self-glorifying. That's who I am. Without Jesus, I am just consumed with self-gratification and self-glorification. That's me. I'm not good. But God says, yeah, I love you. You are. And watch what I'm going to do. And he does that for the Israelites, right? But he does it for us. And that is the message of Jesus. Why did God become a man and come to earth? Live a perfect life, an inspiring life, the most inspiring life of anyone ever, and then die. Because he loves us and says, I'm going to pay for the stuff you can't pay for. I'm going to fix the things you can't fix. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But I like you. So I'm doing it for you. And that is the message of Christianity. The gospel is that he paid the price. And we become free by understanding it, accepting it, and immersing our life in his message. And just really accepting what he's done. And let me tell you, it's not just a one-time thing. You kind of have to go after this salvation your whole life. Yes, I believe forgiveness is one-time thing. He died for you when you accept that. And I think even this message of how they crossed to the Red Sea essentially is when we teach in our church that you're saved, you're, you're forgiven at your baptism. Not because your baptism has power. That is when God gives you and the effects of what he's done become real in your life. Right? But it's nothing you're doing. It's what he did. It's by grace. But you are, that's the point. When they walked through the sea, you know, that's when all the, the Egyptians got wiped away. Right? They ended up on the other side. And the Egyptians were wiped away. But it was God. It wasn't them. It was like they didn't do anything. They simply accepted and noticed and lived then under this grace of God. And that's what we need to do. To be free of sin and death is accept and comprehend that grace. And God wants us to buy into this call for freedom. 
Freedom from fear of all kinds, especially the fear of death. Freedom from deception and emptiness. And freedom from sin. Yes, the sin layers have to be peeled back. You are completely forgiven. But I want to call on us to keep understanding this message of grace to be free actually. Right? The scriptures teach the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We actually get free of drug addiction and sexual addiction. We get free of of greed. We get free of things that mess up our life. But it's a process. It's a sanctification. It's a changing thing. It's it's not overnight. But some of us are here. We say, well, I I don't want to walk through because I'm not good enough yet to walk through. It's not not about being good enough to walk through. And, you know, some who walk through that 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 the ocean, they might have thought, well, some of them probably were like really confident when they walked through. They were like, yeah, look at God. He's awesome. Some are like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. It wasn't about the quality of their faith. Right? They weren't, they were, it wasn't the quality of their faith. In fact, he really didn't give them a choice. He was like, well, if you stay, you're gonna die, so you might as well go, right? He, he like made them, he forced them to do it. It's like he, it was his mercy. His mercy saved them, his mercy saves you. We gotta dig into that. And it's an infinite concept, I'll just tell you that. It's hard to even comprehend it. Maybe you've not heard the gospel, but the gospel is the richest piece of, of, of love, and the message can transform your heart. Today, every day, until we truly enter the promised land and can say, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.